All right, there we go. Hey, man, it's so exciting to be here. I always, uh, I'm just very honored whenever I get the chance to uh, preach and bring the word this morning. So um, I'm just excited. If you would, if you have your Bibles on you, I invite you to turn with me. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I only have one main verse this morning, but sometimes that's all you need, amen? Sometimes all you need is one main verse, and God speaks powerfully through that. Um, as you're turning there, um, I have a little story for you. So for those of you who may not know, I used to run uh, track and cross country. And by the way I look now, I'm sure most of you may not know that. But um, no, it was a great time. And uh, I always loved being able to be a part of those meets and being able to compete with my team. And uh, it was just always such an electric energy surrounding those meets. You know, it was always just such a great part to be um, just a component of a team and compete together. And um, there's something that my coaches used to tell me before um, I started my mile races. They would always say to look for the fastest person and just kind of lock in on the back of their shoulders and kind of just sit in their back pocket and just kind of keep pace with them. And the first time my coach told me that, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, if you're not first, you're last. Like, I'm trying to, like, be first out of the gate. Like, I don't want to keep pace with anyone. I want to sprint out ahead and, and get going and, and lead the way the whole time. And I quickly learned that he was telling me that for a reason because it's a lot easier to keep pace with someone and try and maybe make a pass at the end of the race than it is to be out in front looking over your shoulder the whole time and trying to, you know, see how, how far you are ahead of the people behind you. But the reality is that in this life, we're all chasing after something, right? It might not be guys in track shorts for everyone like it was for me. Um, some people chase after success in their careers. Some people chase after you know, physical fitness or, or a relationship to make themselves feel whole inside. Some people chase after fame or followers to increase their influence. Some people chase after pleasure and they live for what feels good in the moment. But if you're there with me in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, can I get a big risen king? Amen. And we'll begin reading this morning. Amen. It says this, and we know that in all things, everyone say all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So Father God, I just bless the reading of your word. God, I pray that you would just open our hearts, open our minds to what you'd have for us to learn about you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. And what a powerful promise that verse is, that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love. And this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible because it ensures us that whatever life throws at us, wherever we may find ourselves this morning, God is working and he's moving on our behalf. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about chasing light through the darkness, chasing light through the darkness. How many of you know that life does not always go your way? I think we can all agree on that. Life does not always go your way. Life is far from perfect. So what do you do when life throws a curveball at you? What do you do when life throws a curveball at you? How, as a believer, do you continue to chase after God in the middle of tragedy? Where do you turn when you feel your situation is hopeless? Today, I want you to know that we can confidently chase after Jesus through the darkness in our lives because he is in control he understands where you are, and because the valley is not the destination. When you're faced with real-life hurts and issues, trusting God and knowing that he is in control is easier said than done. Can I get an amen from somewhere? 
It's easy to say, give your cares to the Lord and trust him when everything in life is going well. It's easy to say, I trust you, Lord, with everything I own when bills are paid on time and when you just got a promotion at work. It's easy to say, God, you're my healer when you're healthy and you're feeling good. But how do you keep that same faith? How do you keep that same drive when those curveballs come at you? How do you trust that God is in control when you feel so out of control? We need to remember our source. We need to remember our source. Revelation chapter 22, verse 13 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Who else can say that but God? Who else can make that claim but our God? Our source of strength, our confidence is the God of the universe, the beginning and the end. He knows everything, the past, the present, the future. Our knowledge and understanding doesn't even compare to the knowledge and understanding of God, even when it applies to our own life. When you feel yourself losing sight of that source, you need to ask yourself the question, who am I trusting with my life, God or myself? Who am I trusting with my life, God or myself? Our tr- if our trust is centered in ourselves, we're automatically setting ourselves up for failure. If our trust is centered in ourselves, we're setting ourselves up for failure because at some point, at some time, we will fail. It's just in our nature. We're imperfect people, right? But on the other hand, when we put our hope and trust in God, incredible things begin to happen. Breakthroughs come because God never fails. He is constant. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is an ever-present help in time of need. That he keeps his promises. That he never lies. And he works all things in your life for your good, for his purposes. He's in control of your story this morning, all of your failures, all of your fears, the ugly parts of your hearts, the sin that you bury deep down. God can use all of that for his glory. We just need to give him control. No matter how much you don't understand life as it is right now, no matter how uncomfortable it may seem or how hard it gets, don't give up because if God is with you, The same God who spoke life into you, the same God who is and knows the beginning and the end, the same God who knew you before the foundation of the world. If that God is with you, then ask yourself who or what could ever stand against you. And the second reason we can chase after Jesus through the darkness is that he understands where you are. God understands where you are. I've got to be honest with you. You know what kind of is annoying sometimes? That I know how you feel, people. You know those, you know those people that I know how you feel, people. You know you're hurting, you're feeling some pain. Something has just gone, you know, wrong in your life. You know, some struggle, some loss, some tragedy. You, you kind of confide in this person. You're venting it, and they just hit you with the, yeah, I know how you feel. They don't really follow up too much with it. Like, that kind of, it's kind of annoying a little bit. Like, a, a part of us, when you hear that, It just wants to scream in their face like, no, you don't. You don't know how I feel. You don't understand what's going on in my head. You don't understand what's going on inside my heart. And to some degree, we're right in making that statement. No other person really truly understands how you feel. Nobody can really live our lives for us, right? But I want to take a minute and just think of the details of our God. Think about the details of our God. Because sometimes as we read through the Bible, if we're being honest, after we've been doing this for some time, it's, it's very easy to become numb to the words that we see on the page. It's very easy to just, oh, I've heard this story before. I've, I've, heard, it, I've heard it said that way. And, and it, the details on the page just become ordinary words to us. But as we read closely and we become aware of these details, we see parallels in our own lives. 
For starters, Jesus came down to earth, born out of wedlock to a teenage mother. Scandalous, right out of the gate. He was raised in poverty in a small town where people would no doubt be talking about him and his family situation. People don't change much from biblical times to now. He was ridiculed, he was criticized, he was bullied. Anyone else ever experienced that? He was accused of things he never did. He was tempted by the devil again and again and again when he was in a vulnerable state, yet he did not sin. He was betrayed by his friends. You ever feel abandoned by God in your life? Jesus did too. He never was, but what did he say when he was on the cross? He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? So when you, think you un- when you think no one understands your situation, when you think no one understands where you're coming from or what you're going through, know that one person will always understand. One person knows exactly how we feel. One person understands exactly where we are. One person does empathize with us completely and totally. And that one person also happens to be the one true God, our Savior, our Lord, and our best friend. He happens to be Jesus. Amen. Don't ever allow yourself to begin to believe the lie that your past or your upbringing disqualifies you in any way from God calling on your life. Don't ever allow yourself to begin to believe that about yourself. And this is something that, honestly, I've struggled with in my life. Um, you see, I, I was born and raised in, in church. I went to Christian schools my entire life, so I was surrounded by the gospel and, and all things Jesus um, all throughout my life. But after high school, I really, I walked away from Jesus. I wanted absolutely nothing to do with God or church or anything. And I was attempting to drown my insecurities and my hurt and my shortcomings in whatever felt good at the time. I I went out, I partied, I did all kinds of different drugs. I had all different relationships, all of that. And I remember in this moment thinking, as I was at this party, and it was like, it was a God moment because everything just began to kind of slow down. And I remember just, I looked up and I like, just moment of clarity. I, I looked around the room and it was the same people doing the same thing in the same place for weeks on end. And I thought, I remember thinking to myself, and now I know in hindsight, it's God speaking to me, but I remember hearing just completely clear, there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more to life than just doing the same thing in week in and week out and just living for the weekend and just doing whatever makes you feel good. There has to be so much more to life than living for ourselves. So it was in that moment that I slowly began to make my way back to Jesus. And I remember seeing where, you know, where I thought there would be condemnation and shame there was just love. And when I thought there would be you know, con- condemnation and, and all of these things, there was just grace. And I remember I was just, I was thinking, I, I spent all this time being angry at a God that was just waiting for me to come back to him, right? And I'd be lying if I said I didn't still struggle with insecurities in my life. I think we can all agree with that to a certain extent. But this is what Paul is talking about this morning. Do you know how many times that I've connected with people over brokenness? How many times I've sat and talked about my story to people and God has used that to open doors that would never have been open had I not gone through what I've gone through. Was it God's plan for me to walk away from him? No, I'd, I'd say it probably wasn't. But in hindsight, I know I wish I wouldn't have. But the amazing thing about God is that he chooses to take 
these broken aspects of our lives, right? He chooses to take these, this sin and, and our past, and he redeems them, and he uses them to bring glory to his name. And he uses them to fulfill his purpose. Someone, come on, someone's got to get excited about that. God will use the very thing that you're insecure about, the very thing that you've struggled with to bridge a gap with someone that needs to hear from him. God will use the very thing to bring glory to his name and fulfill his purpose. Nothing is ever wasted when you give it to God. No failure, no mistake will ever be wasted when God redeems them. That is why we can say with confidence that the valley is not the destination. That our valley, our struggle, the situation we find ourselves in this morning is not the destination. We can say, look, I may not be where I want to be right now. It may not have turned out the way I planned it. I may have gotten a little messy along the way, but I serve a God that is in the business of redemption. I serve a God that is in the business of turning things around for my good and for his purposes. And that redemption tells me that I can walk through this valley boldly, that I can lift my head high and I can look towards the mountaintop knowing that my God will make a way. That God is good. The same God that is good and faithful on the mountaintop is the same God that meets me here in the valley. But maybe some of you have been in the valley for so long that you forget what that mountaintop is like. You've been in a dark place for so long that it just begins to feel normal and you just allowed yourself to accept that this is just how life's going to be. It's just the way it is. This is my valley. This is where I'm going to stay. This is where I'm going to camp out. But I've got news for you. You serve a God that has a plan and a future for you. If he split an entire ocean for the Israelites to walk through, he'll make a way for you too. And Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. The valley is an inevitable place. There's no way around it. We'll find ourselves there time and time again for a million different reasons, but Jesus never leaves us there. There's always more to the story. He finishes and says what? But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. We can overcome our past, our sin, our struggles because Jesus already won our battle on the cross. We can say with confidence that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. But sometimes, sometimes we cheapen the mountaintop. Sometimes we cheapen the mountaintop. What I mean by that is we're only looking for God to meet our immediate needs the way that we want him to. And if he doesn't, what do we think? Oh, God's not listening. God's abandoned me, right? If God doesn't move the way I think he should, then God's not listening to me. God's abandoning me. Why isn't God listening? But throughout the Bible, whenever we see God appear on a mountaintop, it's not to meet a physical need right? It's to reveal his presence. It's to reveal his power. In Exodus chapter 20, when Moses is writing the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, the glory of God passes by. Matthew chapter 17, we see what's called the transfiguration. Jesus takes some of his disciples up on a mountain to show that he really is the Messiah, and God's presence comes down powerfully. Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends to heaven after his resurrection from a mountaintop. So we see the real purpose of your time on the mountaintop is not to be blessed physically, Although God is more than capable of doing that, it's to fall on your knees in the presence of God. It's to know that in your heart that he is who he says he is, to see his power firsthand so that when you get in the valley, when you find yourself in those dark places, you take that power with you and you stand strong. That you can know that your prayers are not falling on deaf ears, but on the ears of almighty God. Know that the valley is not your destination, 
but don't cheapen the mountaintop in the process. Pastor Craig Groeschel of Life Church recently posted this quote on Instagram that I really loved. He said, when you're ready to quit, remember, it takes a death to have a resurrection. It takes pain to have progress. It takes a hurt to have a healing. It takes a struggle to have a story worth telling. It takes a trial to have a testimony. I'd like to ask our worship team to come forward this morning. You see, God is not finished writing your story. God is not finished writing your story. It's by his grace and his love that we know that he is working all things, all things for our good and for his purposes. In this Advent season, we celebrate Jesus, the light of the world coming down to earth for us. Chase after him this holiday season. Don't allow yourself to be swept away by busyness. It's so easy this time of year to consume ourselves with our day-to-day, with who we have to buy presents for, with where we have to go, what parties we have to go to. It's so easy to be consumed by that, right? Don't allow yourself to be swept away by busyness. Don't allow yourself to believe that your past is barring you from God's calling over your life. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. In coming to this world, Jesus chased after us. He came to meet us in the valley. He chased after us. He left heaven, the glories of heaven, to chase after us and meet us in this broken, broken world. We love because he first loved us. We chase after Jesus because he chased after us. Let's worship together.